All right, good morning, everybody. Thank you for joining us here this morning here at Lighthouse Discipleship Center. My name is Dave Everett, and we're going to be continuing our teaching this morning on such a great salvation and focusing on healing again this morning. Uh, and we will be in the next few weeks. I'll get back to that in just a moment. Just so you know, all of our teachings are archived on our website at lighthousediscipleship.org, as well as, well as our YouTube channel, Lighthouse Discipleship Center. And uh, in case you, uh, we also want to say thank you to all those who have partnered with us with their tithes and their offerings. In case you're wondering how you can do so, simply go to our website at lighthousediscipleship.org, and you go to our gift page, and there's a button on the top right-hand corner in our mini bar. And you just hit give, and you can give anywhere in the world. If you'd rather send us a check, you can simply make your checks payable to Lighthouse Discipleship Center. And on the bottom of the footer of every page on our website is our mailing address. If you're in the, if you're in the United States, just so you know, all your uh, tax donations and contributions are 100% tax deductible, as we are a 501c3 church. So anyway, without further ado, I'm going to jump into the message this morning. I have a lot to cover this morning. Let me do a brief recap on this series, and it has well as a continued recap on uh, what we covered last week because we didn't quite finish. And so I'm going to be finishing last week's message and then going into some new territory this morning. So we've been talking about, <coughs> excuse me, with that one quick, such a great salvation. This is a, we're actually in week 13 here. I got several more weeks to go. Uh, we've also been breaking this up into some mini series here. And so we'll, we'll talk about that as well. So, the, um, in our first hour, 13 weeks ago, we talked about the, we basically divine salvation as a gift. It's not something you can earn, it's a gift. We talked about the difference, we talked about putting faith in His grace. We talked about the definition of salvation in both the Hebrew and also the Greek, uh, Yeshua in Hebrew and uh, Soteria in uh, Greek. And they both mean, by definition, they mean healing. They mean wholeness. They mean in, uh, 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 should we say that? They define the word in Hebrew because the word salvation is defined as wholeness, healing, uh, prosperity, uh, deliverance, and many other definitions. We spent a whole hour talking about the purpose of salvation. Salvation. The purpose of salvation is not to go to heaven and not to avoid hell. No, there are the benefits of salvation. Great benefits. Of salvation. But at the same point in time, the purpose of salvation is a relationship with God. Even if there was not a heaven and there was not a hell, and there are, uh, but if there wasn't, Jesus still would have died on the cross so that we could have a relationship with God. The best thing about heaven is God is there, and the worst thing about hell is God is not there. Okay? We spent two weeks talking about the necessity of salvation. We're still kind of on that wavelength now as we've been. Excuse me, we've been talking the last several weeks, and we will continue to be talking about the benefits of salvation, which includes heaven and, and the burden of hell. Excuse me. But we've been highlighting some of the definitions of salvation. We spent several weeks talking about the benefits of salvation in regards to wholeness, and we started last week talking about the benefits of salvation in regards to healing. And we got several more weeks on this. And then we're going to be looking at the benefits of salvation in regards to prosperity, a word that a lot of people don't like. We're going to be dealing with that and get some things squared away here. Okay, so we're talking about, again, the benefits of salvation under this teaching, such a great salvation. And we are continuing this morning on our, our sub-series within the series on talking about the benefits of salvation in regards to healing. 
So with that in mind, let's go to our key verse for this segment of our teaching in 3 John. And 3 John only has one chapter. And I'll be reading from the King James on the first uh, verse this morning. We'll start at verse 2. 3 John, there's only one chapter in verse 2. And John writes, he's written five books. Okay, he writes, Beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health. So the last two benefits we're talking about, they're both in this verse, even as thy soul prospereth. We'll spend more time in this verse, but let's go to verse 3. For I rejoice greatly when the brethren, so he's talking to the church, came and testified of the truth that is in thee, even as thou walkest in the truth. And I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in the truth. And as a pastor, as a teacher, I have no greater joy than to see to hear that you and others are walking in the truth. There are many things regarding healing, and that's what we're talking about this week and the next several weeks, right, that, that need to be cleared up. And that's why I spent some time on this, not just to get you healed, even though I'm going to get to that in a moment. But just some things that need to be cleared up. And we've been dealing with some uh, myths or some non-truths. And we'll get to that again in just a few moments. And one of the things that discourages me the most as a pastor, as a teacher, is when God's people believe a lie. And become a snare and trapped and bondage in that lie. Okay. Lies, no matter how they make you feel, lead to bondage in your lives. No matter what the lie is. Whether it's addiction, sin... Or what is uh, a non-truth, uh, 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 something that we believe in that's not true, okay? So again, uh, I have no greater joy than to hear than my children. You're not my children, but some, some I have been your spiritual father in a sense, but that my children walk in the truth. Uh, there's no greater joy than the hearing that others are walking in the truth. John also said in his, in his gospel letter, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. The truth can't make you free if you don't know the truth. So if you're believing a lie, the lie can't make you free. Only the truth can. And when you know the truth, the truth that you know will make you free. I want the truth, and I want freedom in my life and in your life. But many believe a certain way, and they're not going to let Jesus or the Bible come between them and what they believe. And I say that all the time. Maybe not on the subject of healing, maybe it's a different subject. But I, many people believe a certain way about things, and many regarding healing, that's what the subject matter we're talking about, regarding Jesus, and they won't let Jesus and the Bible get in the way of what they believe. They'll fight you to be poor, they'll fight you to be sick, but and even though I mentioned that, I'm not talking to those people this morning. I'm not talking to those people when I, when I preach on Sundays and on these messages. I'm ministering to those who are hungry for the things of God. I'm not talking to those who <clears throat> want to argue and fight their point. I'm talking to those who are hungry for the things of God. Sickness and sin are part of our human, our natural condition. Yes, we're born again, and we've been talking about that at length over the last several weeks. But if you are in this fallen world, sin is something we have to continually deal and war with. Until Jesus comes. At the same point in time, if you are in this fallen world, sickness is something we have to continually deal with and war with. We have to continue, sickness and sin are part of our human condition. That's why we have to continually war with both sickness and sin until Jesus can. 
going to come together. Why? Because your body is not redeemed. We spent a whole several weeks on this and talked about wholeness, that your body is not redeemed. Your body has been purchased, but you still have the same body you had before you got saved. And so your body and your soul is subject to sin and sickness. And we must fight and we must war against both sin and sickness until Jesus comes. Jesus has not only made provisions for sin on the cross so that we can overcome sin, he did. But Jesus also made provisions for sickness on the same cross so that we can overcome sickness as well. Most Christians believe sickness is greater than healing. They believe darkness is greater than light. Most people believe in sickness. They, okay? They believe it. They might not say it in those words and that, that expression, but the way they talk, the way they believe, the way they conduct themselves, they believe in sickness. They expect to get sick. They expect to get the flu and flu season. They even have seasons for this stuff. They plan for sickness. They yield to sickness. But I come to, to talk to you about the power of the cross, the power of the gospel, and the power of healing in our life because of what Jesus did through the finished work of the cross. I will say, as I said last week, and I will continue to say every week, I don't have all the answers in here. Okay? But I do know it's always God's will to heal. And we're going to be doing with this part over the next several weeks. It's always God's will to heal. I, again, I don't have all the answers. And I can't tell you and explain why so-and-so died. God did not call me to minister to the dead. God called me to minister to the living. I can't teach why someone died. But I can teach you how to live long and to prosper based on the Word of God. My purpose in this teaching on healing especially, and even prosperity, is to help people navigate through deception and confusion to receive their healing. Okay, My purpose in this teaching is to, my purpose is not to argue with you. My purpose is not to fight with you. My purpose is not even to get you to believe like me. My purpose is to get you healed. My second purpose is to equip you to minister healing to other people. And we'll deal with this later in our teaching down the road. Again, I have no axe to grind with anybody or any denomination or any person. This is not theology with me, even though I will be te teaching theology. Because Hosea says, my people are destroyed by the lack of knowledge. This is life and death to me. This is not theology. People are dying. People are being tortured by many vicious diseases. And I'm believing with them, I'm standing with them, and I want to give the Word of God to them. I know the truth will make you free if you know it. So again, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children, that other people, are walking in the truth. Last week we began to introduce eight major non-truths many people struggle with regarding healing. We dealt with six of those. We still need to deal with two more. Let me recap uh, the first six real quick. I'm not going to go a lot of detail with this. You're going to have to look at last week's message in the archives. But the first one we dealt with is healing died and passed away as apostles. You know, I, I dealt with last week how God's name is Jehovah Rapha, the Lord who heals you. And when people teach and believe and teach that healing passed away with apostles, they're teaching that part of God died and passed away with the last apostle. And I find that ludicrous. I find that wrong. Okay, and so we will we'll even deal with another scripture, uh, more, I think it will be next week before we get to it, but that will also be about this as well. 
The second one we look at is God heals some but not all. And we will continue to be looking at this uh, non-truth uh, throughout the rest of our teaching. But God, I believe, and I already said this morning, I believe God wants to heal everybody, everywhere, every time. Because I believe God wants to save everybody, everywhere, every time. And the word salvation, the word save, sozo, uh, is defined in both the Greek and the Hebrew as healing. And I believe God wants to save, God wants to heal everybody, everywhere, every time. Okay? We also deal with the traditions of man and how the traditions of man make the word of God of no effect. Okay? Uh, we, which also goes into, if God wants, wants, me to be healed, wants me healed, he'll just heal me. That sounds ridiculous to say, if God wants me saved, he'll just save me. That's even more ridiculous to hear people say, if God wants me holy, he'll just make me holy. Or even, even further, if God wants me to stop sinning, he'll just stop me. No, God has made provision for us to not sin. God has made provision, uh, provision for us not to be holy. God has pro made provision for us to be saved. He, did, he doesn't force it on us. We're not puppets. We have a free will. If it wasn't free will, it wouldn't be love. But God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that he, for those who believe in him, shall not perish but have everlasting life. And God has also made provision for us to be healed and to live and to walk in divine health. This kind of goes into our fifth one that we looked at, perverse understanding of sovereignty. I believe that God is sovereign, but the way that people define uh, sovereignty as far as Scripture is concerned, as far as God is concerned, is, uh, is inconsistent with the, the definition of the word sovereignty. People, if you look at the, if you look in, if you look at the word sovereignty in the dictionary and how people teach the sovereignty of God, they're two different things. The way that people teach the sovereignty of God is inconsistent with the word sovereignty. Okay? And so I believe in a sovereign God, but most people's theology is so perverse in understanding the sovereignty of God. And so their whole concept on healing and prosperity and many other things, and it just answers the prayer in that matter, is, is perverse because their understanding of sovereignty is perverse. I believe God is sovereign. But in the way that God, the, in, in the true definition of sovereignty, not man, man uh, misconstrued it. And we debunk some things that people, they teach this, but they really don't believe it. Because if God made, made you sick, if God gave you sickness, then why are you taking medicine? Why are you going to the doctor to, 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 to revolt against God? If, if God has given, and if sovereignty gave you sickness to teach you something, then ask for a double dose so you learn it quicker. See, we don't even believe what we teach, some of us. Because we, we think that would be ridiculous. Well, I, I agree, and that's my point. Okay? And so many of us have a perverse understanding of sovereignty, and that is a non-truth of why we don't see him. Okay? And then the sixth one that we looked at last week, people interpret God's will in light of human experience. We'll be doing with this some more this morning as <coughs> well our teaching, but I cannot let my human experience, my experience and your experience, interpret God's will for me. I cannot put your experience and my experience do not give me faith. Faith comes from the Word of God. And I have to know God's will based on the Word of God, not someone or even my own experience. Experience is not going to interpret God's will for my life. God's word and God's will will interpret God's will and purpose for my life. Okay? And we'll be doing with this some more. 
The seventh one that we didn't get to this week, last week, which we're going to do it right now, so-and-so got healed and lost it, and could, so it couldn't have been God. In other words, they got healed, they lost their healing, and so that they come to the conclusion that they cannot be healed. So this is how it looks. I mean, even Captain Coleman, I've heard, has said eight already percent of people who got healed in her ministry lost their healing over time. So this is how it, <coughs> excuse me. This is how it usually goes, something like this. They get healed. And then a month or so later, maybe a year later, maybe a day later, a week later, but they they become sick again. They were healed. But something happened, and they're sick again. And so they conclude, it must not have been God's will to heal me. God must not have healed me. Okay? See, we have this concept that if we get healed, we'll never get sick again. I just said that we, if we're in this fallen world, we're still going to have to fight in war against sickness and sin. Okay? So we have this concept, if we get healed, we'll never get sick again. Or... We'll never get sick in that area again. Maybe you got healed from cancer, and you're like, well, I can get the flu, I can get COVID, but I'm never going to have cancer again. I'm not going to have that cancer again. And so we have this concept that we can't have again. You know, that whole concept that I just explained is the same, is as foolish as this. If you sin and receive forgiveness, then repeat the same sin, does that mean you were never forgiven in the first place? So if you commit a sin that you were already forgiven, that, does that cancel out that you were never uh, saved in the first place? That's the same concept with some of those who get sick, get healed, and the same sickness comes back. Okay? It's the same concept. But you already know the truth. Because the truth is in your heart. The truth is in Jesus. And where is Jesus? Inside, inside of you. And the devil will try to steal your healing, your unbelief. He can't steal something you don't have. The devil can't steal my Porsche. Why? I don't have a Porsche. I don't have a Rolls Royce. He can't steal it. Okay? But if you have something, he will try to steal it through unbelief. See, unbelief is belief in a lie. It's belief that, um, belief Unbelief is a belief in the lie. And if we are not careful, those who don't believe can talk us out of our healing. I've heard of many people where they got healed in a message like this or a conference like this or whatever it might be. And then they go to their loved ones, families and friends, co-workers or whatever it might be. They mean well, but they say, oh, you weren't really healed. And then whatever, whatever their unbelief, they talk them out of their healing. And they just they believe the truth, got healed, and now they are believing a lie, believing something that's not true, and uh, they talk to them out of their healing. Like, you can't talk to them. That can't happen. It happens all the time. Okay? Many believe the lie and unbelief just as much as I believe the truth. Some people believe their traditions, their theology, their belief system, their, their unbelief in the same capacity that I believe in the truth. What I'm teaching this morning, I'm willing to die for. Okay? And so I believe this. Again, I'm not trying to argue. I'm not trying to pick a fight. I'm not trying to get you to believe like me. I'm here as a pastor, as a teacher, teaching the truth. Okay? And if you don't walk, learn how to walk in the truth, the devil will try to steal it. 
So again, the A major truth, again, to recap of the verse 7, is that the one non-truth is that he only died away in fact with the last apostle. Some believe that God heals some, but not all. Others, uh, our, our non-truth is that the traditions of men, and many of these overlap. If God wants to heal me, he'll just heal me. Uh, perverse understanding of sovereignty. Uh, people interpret God's will in light of human experience, which we'll keep doing with. So-and-so got healed and lost, and, and so it couldn't have been God. The last one I want to deal with this morning, which is finishing last week's lesson, uh, H, is the Old Covenant Law versus New, Te New Testament Grace. Old Covenant Law versus, it should be New Covenant Grace. Another, another way of uh, rephrasing this, this, this myth, this non-truth, non is curses versus blessings. That's another way of looking at this and defining that. Okay? See, based on the Old Testament, that's Matthew through Malachi, many people believe that God is making us sick to teach us something. Okay? Many people do not understand the New Covenant. New, new See, I will go back here real quick. I'm gonna I gotta elaborate on this. So hold the horses. Because based on the Old Testament, they believe that God's making them sick. Because I gotta get there in just a moment. But you can read many, give me many Old Testament examples where this this, this happened. Okay, so I'm not gonna we're gonna even look at a couple this morning. Where this did happen. In the Old Testament, God made them sick. It was a curse. Okay, not so much to teach them, when there wasn't a lesson to be learned there. But many people don't understand that we are in a new covenant. And because people don't understand the difference between the Old Testament law versus New Testament grace, blessings versus curses, they think that God is the one who's killing their kids when a tragedy strikes. Or God is the one putting some disease and illness on them. Again, you can show me scripture after scripture in the Old Testament where people, God made people sick in the Old Testament. Okay? That's the Old Testament. But church, according to 2 Timothy 2.15, we need to be diligent to present yourself to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. We need to learn to rightly divide the word of truth. And I'm not going to go into all of that this morning, but there are two major divisions in Scripture, between Matthew, I mean, between Genesis and Revelation, called the Old Covenant versus the New Covenant, two major divisions. I can I can go a lot deeper with this, but let's just start with this for now. See, in the Old Covenant, if you disobeyed God, curses would come on you, punishment came on you, God's wrath came on you. For example, Deuteronomy 28, it's a long chapter, but it says. Verse 15 says, But it shall come to pass, if you do not obey the voice of the Lord your God, to observe carefully all his commandments and his statutes, which I command you today, that all these curses will come upon you and overtake you. And in the, over the next several verses, he lists a bunch of curses. And you know that most of those curses are sicknesses? Most of those curses, sickness is a curse. It's not a blessing. And sickness is a curse when we don't obey, carefully obey all of God's instructions. Now, I'm not saying every time we get sick it's because we disobey God. No, I'm not saying that. But it's part of this fallen world. It's part of this curse. But at the same point in time, 
many sicknesses were listed on the, on this, in, this, on the, uh, in the next couple of verses, starting verse 16. That all these curses will come upon you and overtake you. But that's verse 15. At the beginning of the chapter, he said this. Now you shall come to pass if you guilty obey the voice of the Lord your God to observe carefully all his commandments, which I command you today. <coughs> Excuse me. That the Lord your God will set high above the earth, verse 2, and all these blessings, verses two through verses three to fourteen, shall come upon you and overtake you because you obey the voice of your God. And there's a semicolon. I mean, there's a colon here, and he begins to explain what those blessings are. And we're like, well, so there's conditional. This is Old Testament. Jesus fulfilled the law. Jesus fulfilled it. I don't. We're going to go into that a lot, this a lot deeper later in our study, not today, but. Because of Jesus, all of these blessings shall come upon us and overtake us. But let's look at a couple of examples where God did uh, bring his wrath on them. Numbers 12, and I can't necessarily go through the scriptures, but let me explain some things here. In Numbers 12, Miriam, that's Moses' sister, and Aaron, the high priest, murmured against Moses for marrying a black woman. Okay? So God wasn't racist. Yeah, he didn't have an issue with it. And actually, if you read Numbers 12, God affirmed Moses. And his anger was kindled against Miriam and Aaron. And when the cloud lifted, Miriam had leprosy. That leprosy was from God, not the devil. Okay? And it was not a blessing in disguise to teach her something. No, it was a punishment. It was a curse. It was a punishment. It was God's wrath for murmuring against God's anointing. Okay? Let's look at another example. In Numbers 21, the people murmured against God and Moses. Okay? And God sent serpents among them, vipers, and they were bitten and died by the thousands. That's a lot of vipers. Okay? And the Lord, the Lord did it. Again, it was a curse. It was a punishment. It was God's wrath on the people for murmuring against God's anointing. There's something to be said there. But what also happened in Numbers 21 is that God tells Moses to take one of the serpents, one of the vipers, and put it on a pole and lift the pole up. Even medical, one of the main symbols for medical science today are medical is, is, a, is a, a pole with a serpent wrapped around it. You'll see it in most ambulances. You'll see it in most hospitals. You'll see it in the symbol today. And anyone who looks on the pole will live. And, that's, and everyone who didn't look at the pole would, would die. This pole speaks of the cross because Jesus became sin and he was lifted up on this pole and all who looked at Jesus are saved are healed, and all who don't look to Jesus will die and will go to hell. Okay? This is the type of our redemption. And this whole serpent on the pole, Jesus echoes in John chapter 3, verses 14 and 15, and as Moses lifted the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have eternal life. 
And then we get the most famous John 3.16 in the same passage, very next verse, but God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. John echoes this in John 12.32 when Jesus says, and if I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all peoples to myself. Many people through the years have, have a different definition of, of, of this verse in John 12, 32, but he's speaking of the cross. He's speaking of Jesus being lifted up like the serpent on the pole. If I, I be lifted up from the earth, well, I will draw all men to myself. See, the old continent, what happened in Numbers chapter 21 and other verses, was a ministry of death. It was a ministry of condemnation. We can see that in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 7 and 9. But the new covenant is the ministry of righteousness, the ministry of his spirit. And the new covenant says, Jesus went to the cross. The new covenant says, Jesus died for my sins. The new covenant says, Jesus took my punishment. Jesus took God's wrath. Jesus bore the curse. And that's why God is not cursing us today. All the blessings of God are overtaking us, but not the sicknesses because of what Jesus did. Not because God has changed, but because Jesus fulfilled the curse of the law. How did Jesus fulfill the curse of the law? By punishing Jesus for you. Okay? I can go a little deeper than this, but this is why God is not cursing us today. Okay? But not because God has changed, but because Jesus died and he rose again. The old covenant, see, reveals our sin. The old covenant enforces your curse, which is death. But Jesus died and rose again. See, the old covenant enforces your curse, but the new covenant, because the old covenant was a ministry of death, and the old covenant was a ministry of wrath, the condemnation. But the new covenant is a ministry of righteousness, the ministry of the Spirit. The old covenant reveals your sin, but the new covenant reveals Jesus. The old covenant enforces your curse, but the new covenant enforces your righteousness. The old covenant was an administration. That word ministry, the ministry of death, the ministry of the Spirit, is, a, is really the administration. The old covenant was the administration of condemnation. The administration of death. But the new covenant is the administration of righteousness. The administration of the Spirit. Because Jesus has fulfilled the curse of the law by punishing Jesus, Jesus for you. Jesus became your propitiation. For he who knew no sin became sin, that he might become the righteous of God. This is love. Here, here it is love. Not that you loved him, but that he loved you and became the propitiation for your sins. First uh, John 4, 19. And 2 Corinthians 5, 21, what I just quoted. Galatians 3, 13 says, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. For it is written, curses everyone who hangs on the tree. Just like the serpent is on the pole, Jesus hanged on the cross, a pole, in the cross form. Jesus became a curse for us. He's redeemed us from the curse of the law. That the blessing of Abraham 
might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Now, there's much more teaching that can give to this. I've taught this another time. I'll teach it again more times in the future. But every curse in the law I have been redeemed done. Therefore, I can boldly say to you today, God is not making you sick. I can boldly say to you today, God is not punishing you. I can boldly say to you, God is not cursing you. I can, I can boldly say to you, God is not doing all this evil that has come upon you and your loved ones. Church, God loves you. And many times we read how Jesus has moved, was moved with compassion and healed the multitudes. And we're going to be looking at this in more detail in future ways. But know this for now. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Jesus is here today. Jesus is Emmanuel, which is interpreted God with us. And Jesus is with us. Jesus is among us. Jesus is within us. And when we learn to yield, there is an anointing that flows. And the blessing is released. And people get supernaturally healed by the power of God. I'm so glad I understand the curse under the law. And I understand the blessing of the grace. God didn't change. But how he deals with his people has changed. Why? Because of the cross. The cross changed everything. There is a new covenant. There is a better covenant. Established on better promises. And within that covenant, Jesus is Lord. Sickness is not Lord. Sin is not Lord. The devil is not Lord. Jesus is Lord. And within that covenant, healing is here. Freedom is here. Just as forgiveness is here. Again, we dealt with eight major notches. Uh, when people struggle regarding healing, I'll list them again uh, without teaching them again. But healing died with an impassable way with the last apostle. God heals some and not all. The traditions of men. And if God wants me healed, he'll just heal me. Perverse understanding of the sovereignty of God. People interpret God's will in light of human experience. So and so got healed and lost it, so it must not have been God. And the old covenant versus, versus the new covenant of grace. Are other words known as curses versus blessings. Starting now and over the next several weeks, I want to be talking about how it is God's will to heal. I'm now going to today's lesson. I just finished last week's lesson. You need to know that you know that you know in your heart of hearts that to, to receive healing. And to minister and pray for others to be healed. You need to know that's God's will to heal everybody, everywhere, every time. This issue on God's will to heal must be settled in your hearts. Okay? Again, going to 3 John. Beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health, even as our soul prospers. For I greatly, greatly rejoice when the brother came and testified the truth as in me. Even as thou walkest in the truth, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in the truth. I have no greater joy as a pastor than to know that you and I are walking in the truth. And that that truth has an effect on our lives. Okay? Because we shall... He says, and then Jesus said to them, sorry, verse 31 of 
John 8, 31, 32. Then Jesus said to those which believed on him, If ye continue in my word, then ye are my disciples indeed. Can I just pause there and say, the name of our church is Lighthouse Discipleship Center for a reason. The key word there is discipleship. My goal, my job as a pastor is to disciple those who will listen. And I, I'm going to use the word of God to disciple you. I will use a lot of scripture in this church. And as you continue in God's word, you will be his disciple. And as you are his disciplined disciple, dis disciplined learner, and dis being disciplined in his word, you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Over the next several weeks, we are going to be disciples regarding healing, prosperity, and salvation at large. Okay? I want the truth. I want freedom for me and for you. And if we continue in everything but the Word of God, we will be deceived, believing lies. The truth will set you free. Lies will put you in bondage. Deception and lies ensnare us. We need to know what God has said versus what man has said. We need to know what the Word of God says versus our own experience. Okay? Because we have all experienced things that do not line up with the Word of God. I have, I have experienced things that don't line up with the Word of God. You have experienced things that do not line up with the Word of God. All of us do have. Okay? And many times we question the Word of God because of our experience. Instead of questioning life experiences in light of what God says. I want to say this again. Many of us we question the Word of God because of our experience. Your experience, our experience, my experience, your experience, doesn't line up with the Word of God, and so we question God. Instead, if your experience is not lining up with the Word of God, you need to question your experience. Your experience is not truth. It might be a fact, but the Word of God can change the facts. The facts cannot change the truth. Okay? If your experience doesn't line up with the Word of God, guess which one has to change? God is not going to change. He's the same yesterday and forever. Yesterday, today, and forever. He changes not. The Word of God will never change. But if your experience and the Word of God does not line up, you can come, by the Word of God, you can command your experience, your body, to change in the name of Jesus. For it is written, by his stripes we were healed. Okay? But many times, we people will abort what the word of God said because of what they experienced. But instead, we need to resist what we are experiencing because of what the word of God says. I want to repeat this again. Many people will abort what the Word of God says because of what they have experienced. Because what the doctors said. They're the, they're the professionals. And I have no disrespect for doctors. I praise God for those who have practiced medicine and are on the front lines. Okay? I have a great high esteem for doctors and professionals. But I am not going to abort what God says because of what some doctor or some lab work says. Instead, I'm going to resist 
what I'm experiencing, if what I'm experiencing does not line up with the way of God. And we have to learn to resist it. But if we accept it, if we give one of the non-truths that we talked about, of the day non-truths, we're not going to resist it. We're going to accept it, and we are going to abort what God says versus what we are experiencing, instead of, of resisting what we are experiencing because of what the Word of God says. Again, folks, I don't have all of the answers, but I do know it's always God's will to heal. I don't have all the answers again. I can't tell you and explain why so-and-so died. I, too, have lost good friends whom I love dearly, those who I don't believe it was their time to go. At the same point in time, I did not see the will of God manifest in their lives. But even though this has happened, I have lost some dear friends, I believe prematurely, that love God, and we were standing in faith. But I don't know why they didn't get healed. Nonetheless, I do not question the will of God, and I will not question the word of God. But I do question our experience. I don't have all the answers every time. So with that in mind, let's go through our main text for this uh, segment right here. 1 John chapter 5, verse 13. 1 John chapter 5. Again, I'll read the King James. John, again, he wrote five books. The beloved disciple. <coughs> and he writes us in chapter 5, verse 13. He says, These things I have written unto you that believe on the name of, name of the Son of God. I want to pause right there. These things I have written unto you that believe on the name of name of the Son of God. Can I just pause right here for a moment? John wrote unto us the word of God. One point I want to make here is that don't get all shook up when the world mocks the Bible. Don't get all shook up when the world makes fun of the scriptures. Don't get all shook up when the world is confused by the scriptures. Because the Bible is written to us who believe, not the world. We want the world saved, but we are supposed to be ministering the gospel to the world. But the gospel, the word of God, has been written to us who believe. The word of God is not written to the world, but to us who believe. That's what he says. These things I have written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God. That's who he's writing to. If you don't believe in the name, he doesn't want it written to you. Hopefully you can glean from it, but it wasn't written to you. That ye may know that ye have eternal life. That's a relationship with God. And that ye may believe on the name of the Son of God. He goes on to say, and, that's a conjunction, this is the confidence that we have in him. That if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us, and we know... <clears throat> and we know that he hears us whatsoever we ask we know we have the petitions that we desire of him let's deal with this word confidence there's a lot in this in verses 4 and 14 15 that we just uh, highlighted here confidence is faith our confidence comes from asking according to the will of God 
If you don't know the will of God, you will not have any confidence when you ask, when you pray for healing or anything for that matter. Again, this gives the confidence that we have in him that if we ask anything according to his will, he heareth us, and we know that he hears us. Whatsoever we ask, we know we have the petitions that we desire. I'm going to break this verse up into three things. These are my three main points I want to try to get across this morning, as far as I get, and then we'll probably go into next week with this. Three things we need to know, church. First of all, we need to know God's will. We need to know God's will. And we need to know God hears us when we pray according to his will. That's number two. So again, let me back up. Three things we need to know, based on what we just read from 1 John chapter 5, verses 14, 15. We need to know God's will. We need to know God hears us when we pray according to his will. And then number three, we need to know we have the petitions we desire of him when we pray according to his will. Let me back up again. We need to know his will. And second thing, we need to know God hears us when we pray according to his will. And third, we need to know we have the petitions we desire of him when we pray according to his will. Am I making sense? So first one, if you didn't get this all written down, it's going to be coming up more on the screen in, in future, future scripts. We need to know God's will. Everything starts with us knowing the will of God. Everything starts with us knowing the will of God. Don't worry about the other points. We'll get to this. This is why what you have to get settled in knowing. Points two and three mean nothing if you don't get this one there. Because everything's contingent on this. No matter what you have seen or experienced, you still have to understand this God's will to be healed. No matter what you've experienced. <coughs> Why? Because that is where your confidence comes from. Let me go back up. I feel like I'm losing some of you. you no matter what you have seen or experienced, you still have to understand it's God's will to heal. No matter what your experience has been up to this point, you still have to understand it's God's will to heal because that's where your confidence comes from. If you waver in knowing it's God's will to heal, you will not have confidence. You can't have confidence in something you're questioning. You can't have confidence in something you don't know. That's why you need to know the truth, and the truth will set you free. We need to know God's will on the matter. Because what? That is where your confidence comes from. Again, we need to know God's will. We need to know God hears us when we pray according to his will. And we need to know we have the petitions that we desire of him when we pray according to his will. Everything goes back to point one. And if point one is not understood, point two and three will fall apart. In other words, 
I don't waver regarding God's will to heal. Because I know it's God's will to heal. I don't know why so-and-so didn't receive their healing. And I don't know the answer of what, what, what went wrong with other people's lives. I only have the answer as to what we need to do for things to go right. I can't tell you and explain why so-and-so died. God did not tell me to minister to the dead. He called me to minister to the living. I'm here to help you live. Not explain why everyone else is dying. I need to know the will of God. Because our faith begins and ends where the will of God is known. Our faith begins and ends where the word of God is known. This is a major point right here, folks. Where does faith come from? The word of God. I'll come back to the slide, but God's word is his will. God's word and his will are synonymous. They're the same thing. And God, our faith, our confidence, you can't have any confidence in prayer if you don't know the will of God and you don't know the word of God. Because our faith begins and ends where the will of God and the word of God is known. That's why Jesus is the author and the finisher of our faith. You can't have faith. You can't have confidence. You can't believe that he hears you. You can't believe that you have the petitions that you desire of him. You can't even pray according to his will. If you don't know his will, you don't know his word. Faith begins and ends where the will and word of God is known. God's word is his will. God's word is both, and let me just define this, as his written word, scriptures, and the living word, Jesus. I know this is a rainbow word, but I'm going to incorporate that all in here right now. Okay, I'm not going to go there right now. Okay, I'm not dismissing that. It's not where I'm going right now. God's word is both the written word and the living word, the scriptures, and Jesus. We need to know the will of God, will of God on this subject of healing and be settled in it. We can't get the points two or three if we're not settled. We will waver in our belief, in our faith, and we will not see results. Some things are not as easy concerning the will of God as this subject of healing. What do I mean by that? There's no scriptures in the word of God on who to marry. There's some instructions. It's vague, but it won't say, marry Susie, marry Bob, marry this and that. You're going to need to seek God on that. Okay? There's no scripture to tell you where to live. Live in Idaho, live in, live in England, live, uh, you know, New Zealand, wherever. You know, God's not going to tell you what, I mean, God can tell you where to live on a personal relationship, man, but you're not going to find a scripture that says where you, Dave, is supposed to live. Okay? You're seeking God on that. God can give you a clear answer, but you're not going to find a scripture that specifically says that. Okay? You're not going to find where you're supposed to go to church. Yet we know where you're supposed to go to church. Right here. But at the same point in time, I meet physicians with that last one. Okay? God's will concerning healing is found and written in the Word of God all over the place. I might not know the answer to the previous three questions, and I can, I can give you many more examples, but I can know God's will in this subject matter because His Word is filled 
with the subject. And God's will concerning healing is found in the living. Let me back up. God's will, God's word is his written word, right? Scriptures. And his, his living word is Jesus. And God's will concerning healing is found in the written word of God. And it's also found in the living word of God, Jesus Christ. God's will concerning healing is both in the written and also the living word of God. We want to walk through scriptures that help us summarize our God's will concerning healing. And that's what we're going to be doing in this series and starting today. There is one thing that is consistent among everyone who is religious and legalistic, though. Right, let me go off on something real quick. Because as I get to healing and prosperity eventually, I'm going to have a bunch of religious and legalistic people pop up and say this or that about whatnot. And there's one thing that's very consistent about religious and legalistic people. They are mean and they are mad. Okay? I can give you a lot of scripture on that one. Okay? Why? Why do they mean and mad? There's a lot of reasons I can get to it, but right now, they don't have no joy in their lives. See, a religious and legalistic person has rules, they have doctrines, they have their own belief systems, and more. But what he or she does not have is the presence of God. See, when God touches you, when God invades your life, when you hear from God, that's what the, the, the Bible calls the kingdom of God. And Romans 14, 17 says, For the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but the righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. See, when God is moving and working, there will always be what is right, there will always be peace, and there will always be joy. That was just a little side message right there about the kingdom of God. Okay? But many people believe and have been taught sickness is a blessing in disguise. Kind of goes with one of, our, uh, one of our eight untruths that we talked with the last few weeks. Yes, God can bring good out of anything, including sickness. But God never does that. God never does evil. Yes, God can teach you out of sickness. And yes, God can teach you out of various trials and tribulations. But God will never put bad things on you to teach you. Yes, God can teach you character through sickness. But God will never make you sick. God came, Jesus came, to do God's will. Jesus came to reveal God's will. It says in Hebrews 10, 5, Therefore when he, Jesus, came into the world, he said, Sacrifice and offerings you do not desire, but a body you have prepared for me. Okay? We are the body of Christ. Anyway, um, he goes on to say in Isaiah 9, 6, When to us a child is born, and to us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulders. Going back to Hebrews 10, I don't know why I broke this up. But in burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin, you had no pleasure. Then I said, Behold, I have come into the volume of the, of the book of, that is written of me to do your will, O God. This son, this child that was born unto us, came 
He accomplished many things that we've been teaching at length in this church. But right now, in context of what we're teaching, Jesus, the child, the son who was born to, came to do God's will. Jesus came to do God's will. And Jesus did not come to do my will. Jesus did not come to do your will. Jesus didn't even come to do his own will. Jesus came to do God's will. And so we're going to be walking through the book of John. I don't know how far we'll get today because I only have about 20 more minutes left or so. But starting with John 4, verse 31 to 33, it says, In the meantime, his disciples, talking about Jesus, urged him, saying, Rabbi, eat. But he, Jesus, said to them, his disciples, I have no food to eat of which I have food to eat of which you do not know. Therefore, the disciples said unto one another, Has anyone brought him anything to eat? Verse 34. And Jesus said to them, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Again, there's three things that we need to know based on verse John 5. We need to know God's will. We need to know that God hears us when we pray. And we need to know that we have a petition to reside him when we pray according to his will. He said, my will is to do the will of the Father. We're still picking, we're still picking back in on these three points. Bear with me. I'm, I'm like a lawyer setting my case. Okay? John 5, 14 to 15. I'm bringing many witnesses in the stands of scriptures. Afterwards, this is just one chapter later, a few verses later. Afterwards, Jesus found him in the temple. So when he, uh, the guy he hit, Healed up a setter. I could go into a long teach about the guy who was healed at the pool. Because see, you have been made well. Sin no more. That's the worst day come upon you. And the man departed, departed and told Jews that it was Jesus who had made him well. I'll spend a lot more time on this whole uh, sin no more. That's the worst thing come upon you. I'll deal with that in some other teachings that we're going to see in other scriptures as well. We're going to deal with that. Okay? But let me just say this for now. Not every sickness is due to a personal sin. How many know that if you do sin, you do open the door? If you sow to the flesh, you will have the flesh root corruption. So you do open the door. Okay? But not every sickness is a personal sin. However, if we continue to in a known habitual sin, a worse thing can come upon us. If we do something knowingly, habitually, we are opening the door, an inroad to the devil. And sin can open us to real demonic powers and whatnot. But how do we know we can all make mistakes? And we all fall short of the glory of God. And so we need to be quick to repent. And God, and God wills to us to heal no matter what mistakes we've done. Even if we've made a mistake, even if we've opened that door, God wants to heal us. He wants to heal us from that sin, first of all. But he also wants to heal us and restore everything that can't get one has eaten. But we can't live in the individual sin and and not open the door wide for serious problems. Okay? This is not a major point I'm getting to, but it's in the scripture. I've got to bring it out. We'll spend more time on it in the future weeks. So again, afterward, Jesus found him in the temple, and what he healed. And he said, You have been made well. Sin no more. That's the worst thing come upon you. And the man departed and told the Jews that it was Jesus who had made him well. For this reason, the Jews persecuted Jesus and sought to kill him. 
That's why I dealt with some of that religious, legalistic stuff just a minute ago. There's no joy. There's no peace. There's, not, there's no righteousness with that. Because Jesus had done these things on the Sabbath. They're traditions. Make the word of God of no effect. But Jesus answered them, My father has been working until now. And I have been working. See, religious leaders were mad because Jesus healed on the Sabbath. That's how perverted religion will twist your mind. You care about the Sabbath more than you care about the guy. We're carrying his map. He's been resting for 1838 years, I believe it was. The guy's been resting all his life. And he gets healed. And you care more about him carrying his mat than he care about him being healed. There's no compassion on people. Okay? That's why I despise and I love religious thinking. Because how hard it can you really be? And I've met people like this. Okay? We need to do what God tells us to do. See, religious, legalistic people, they worship their doctrines. Their belief systems. They worship them. They might not call it that. But let's get back to our story. Verse 16. For this reason, the Jews persecuted Jesus and sought to kill him because he had done these things on the Sabbath. But Jesus answered and said, My father has been working until now, and I have been working. Therefore, the Jews sought all the more to kill him. I mean, how bad can you get? It's so brief. Because he not only broke the Sabbath, but also said that God was his father, making himself equal to God. Verse 19. And then Jesus answered and said to them, Most assuredly I say to you, the Son can do nothing himself but what he sees the Father do. For whatever he does, the Son also does in like manner. Verse 20. For the Father loves the Son and shows him all the things that he, he himself does. And he will show him greater works than these that you may marvel. God wants us to God wants you to show you the great things that he does. This is verse 20. Skip down to verse 30. Because I can of myself do nothing as I hear. I judge and my judgment is righteous because I do not seek my own will but the will of the Father who sent me. Several times between John 4 5, and now 5, God, Jesus has made, made a point to say, I do the will of my Father. That is my food. That's what I do. I only do and say what I see the Father do. And, uh, and that's what I see. Not my own will, but to do the water, will of the Father. Where am I going with this? Because Jesus only did what he saw his Father do. Jesus only said what he heard his Father say. And if you read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, Jesus never made anyone sick. Jesus never refused anyone who asked. The closest is the Syrophoenician woman. We'll deal with a, a whole section on, on her. But you'll find out that she, uh, he didn't refuse her. Jesus, God, never made anyone sick. And all of Jesus' ministry. I get a little ahead of myself because I don't know if I get here this morning. But it says Hebrews chapter, chapter 1 says Jesus is the full expression of God. We're going to get to the verse here. We might get there this morning. And he told Philip, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Jesus, God, never killed someone's child so people in others can get saved at their funeral. 
I feel that God, that's so cool. God put the Holy Spirit on us to get people saved, not cure kids. Jesus never made anyone sick, and Jesus never killed anyone, and Jesus healed everyone who asked. Jesus healed everyone every time who asked. I'm going to be very repetitive on some of this stuff because we need to hear it. Jesus healed everyone who asked. Jesus never made anyone sick. Jesus never killed anyone. Why? Because Jesus himself bothered him. He only did what he saw the Father do. And God, the Father, never killed anyone. Never. He healed everybody. And he didn't refuse healing from anybody. We need to begin saying what Jesus said. And we need to begin doing what Jesus did. Going back to our three main points that we're trying to get across. We need to know God's will. Jesus came to do God's will. Jesus came to do what he saw the Father do. So if Jesus did what he saw the Father do, if we look at Jesus, we can know the will of the Father. Because Jesus did, and he, he, did, he only did what the will of the Father well, the Father was. If the, God didn't will it, he didn't do it, he didn't say it. He only did what God will. So we need to know God's will. We need to know he hears us when we pray according to his will. And we need to know that we have the petitions we desire of him when we pray according to his will. Again, going back to John 6. Same book, next chapter. For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. Again, he says the same thing, same, same book. Skipping over to chapter 14, Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. And from now on, you know him, and I have seen him. Whatever Jesus did, the Father did. And whatever Jesus didn't do, the Father didn't do. Jesus only did what the Father did. Jesus never did, Jesus never did what the Father didn't do. So we just simply need to look at Jesus versus our experience or our situation. But then Philip. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father. And it's sufficient for us. I mean, you, sometimes you just wonder, are people really listening? Some people just don't get it. Okay? And Philip said to him again, Lord, show us the Father. It will be sufficient for us. That's verse 8. Verse 9 says, And Jesus said to him, Have I been with you so long, and yet you have not known me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the Father. So how can you say, Show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me? The words that I speak to you, I do not speak in my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me dwells, does, does the work. Believe me that I am the Father, the Father is in me. Or else believe me for the sake of the works themselves. Most assuredly I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these will he do, because I go to the Father. And but whatever you ask in my name, that I will do that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. Jesus is saying, I only do what the Father does. He does what the Father does, and he's telling us to do what he did. 
So we should only be doing what Jesus did, because Jesus only did what the Father did. And if Jesus did it, we can do it. When we will be in the will of God, Jesus healed everyone who came to him. We can heal everyone who came to him. And he's like, whoa, we can't heal anybody. Well, Jesus told us 12, and he told us 70, he commissioned, you go heal the sick. You go pray to death. He's commissioned us to go do it in his name. He's given us the power of attorney, his name. He's commissioned, he, we, the Holy Spirit is in us. We are redeemed. We are born again. We are born of God. God is living. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And we have been given this ministry of righteousness, the ministry of his spirit. And we, by the name of Jesus, can do what the Father did, can do what Jesus did, and heal the sick, and cast out the devil. Freely we receive, freely we give. If we ask anything in his name, that I will do that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. Again, we need to know the will of God. How do you know the will of God? Listen to Jesus. How do we know Jesus is doing the will of God? Because he listens to the Father. And we need to know God hears us when we pray according to his will. How do we know his will? Know Jesus, the living word, the written word. Know, know Jesus. The same way that Jesus didn't do anything without hearing the Father do it and seeing the Father do it, we can know the will of God. <coughs> Excuse me. And I know there's some matters like who we're going to marry and whatnot that we might need to get some little more intel from, but healing is not one of those. Jesus healed everybody. Who came to him and asked. He didn't refuse anyone. He made no one sick. He didn't say, let me bless you with leprosy so I can teach you something. Let me bless you with blindness so you can learn something. God, Jesus didn't do that. Because sickness is part of the curse. Jesus came to bless us. And we need to know that God hears us when we ask according to his will. And we need that we have the positions that we desire him when we pray according to his will. These three points that I have, they're from 1 John chapter 5, verse 14 and 15. And God is glorified when we ask for His will to be done. We've been commissioned to pray His kingdom come and His will be done. We've been given the keys of the kingdom that we can bind and loose the, His will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. Many have taught sickness glorifies God. No, God is glorified when we ask for his will to be done. God is glorified when we get healed and when we see other people get healed. If we have seen Jesus, we have seen the will of God. And if we know Jesus, we, will, we know the will of God. Again, we're answering the question, we need to know God's will. So we can know that he hears us when we pray according to and that we have, currently have, the positions that we desire him when we pray against according to that will. Jesus never made anyone sick. Jesus healed everyone who asked. But how can we miss this? Jesus didn't refuse it on anybody. How can we miss this? But Luke says, Father, this is when he was in the garden going to the cross. He said, Father, it is your will to take this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Again, Jesus came to do God's will. 
He didn't come to do his will. You know, if it was God's will for him not to suffer the cross, God would have answered that prayer. If it's your will. But it wasn't his will. Because he only wanted to do the will of the Father. And the cross was definitely God's will. But you and I don't have to go through the cross. Because Jesus did. Okay. Jesus came to do his will. Again, I've said, I quote this already this morning. But who being in the brightness of his glory. And express image of his person. And upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins and sat down to the right hand of the majesty of high. Jesus is the express image of this person. And if you want to know what God really looks like, look at Jesus. Because Jesus is the express image of the Father. And if you want to know what Jesus, the nature of God looks like, look at Jesus. If you want to know how God thinks, look at Jesus. If you want to know the will of God, look at Jesus. But do you know that many Christians believe God is angry, angry and mad all the time? You know, we shake our heads at that, but I used to believe that. Growing up, I don't know where I got that. I just thought God was always mad, angry. I was just always, it's kind of like Santa Claus, better look out, better watch out, better not cry. I, was, I just thought he was out to get me. Find me. I got you. I got you. Do you know how many Christians believe God is looking to get you? We shake our heads at this. But I used to believe that. As a child. For years. Most of my childhood and, and young, young, young life. I believed that. Even to my young adulthood. I believed that. Maybe not as severe as some people, but at some point, more severe than others. Do you know how many Christians are afraid of God's wrath? Believing things about God that Jesus never did? See, in the Old Testament, again, if you disobey God, curses came upon you, punishment came upon you, God's wrath came upon you. The New Testament reveals Jesus died for my sins. Jesus took my punishment. Jesus took God's wrath. Jesus bore the curse. But because of religion, many Christians are afraid of God. And like Adam and Eve, many Christians are hiding from God. God didn't hide from Adam when he sinned and fall. God, man, man, Adam hid from God. And because we, are, we, we have a misconstrued image of God and a misconstrued image of his will, many Christians don't have confidence to come boldly to his throne of grace in their time of need. But we need to have confidence that we can come boldly to his throne of grace in our time of need. Because they don't know the will of God. They don't know the word of God. They don't know the new covenant. We need to know the will of God's will. And we need to know that he hears us when we pray according to that will. And that we have the positions that we desire when we pray according to that will. Again, in the Old Testament, when they disobeyed God, curses came upon them. Tough punishment, God's wrath. But did you know in Romans 4, 15, it says, because the law brings about wrath, not God. But where there is no law, there is no transgression. That's a whole other teaching. I'm not going to go into all that detail right now. Sin did not work God's wrath. The law, the ministry of condemnation, death, worked God's wrath. Again, 
becomes 415. But again, because it's 313, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. That the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Now, there's a whole teaching. I don't have time to go into it right now. I'm out of time this morning. But, you know, our God is not even imputing sin on us anymore. And he's actually quoting from the Psalms where David prophesied of this. But God's not imputing sin on us anymore. He says in 2 Corinthians 5.18, Now all things are God who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself not imputing their trespasses to them. What does this word impute mean? He's not keeping a record. It's like a credit card. When you charge something, it's imputed to your account. When you make a payment on your credit card, <coughs> excuse me, that payment is imputed to your account. God's not imputing their trespasses to them. Why? Because he imputed them on Jesus' account. This is 2 Corinthians 5.19. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, for he who made him who knew no sin abused him for us that we might become the righteous God in him. Why is Jesus not keeping imputing it? Because he, he put it on Jesus. So that's why if you reject Jesus, you go to hell. Because Jesus took your sins for you. But if you refuse your propitiation, Jesus, then the sin, you still have your sins. Because you, you, you refuse to substitute. You refute God's mercy. You, got, you refute God's love and His grace. And there's no sacrifice that remains. But if you have Jesus, He took your sins. And He moved them as far as the east as from the west. And He gave you His righteousness. The ministry of righteousness that He just mentioned three chap two chapters earlier. The administration of righteousness. Before the law. See, before the law. Before the law. The law. Before the law. God was condo not condoning their sins, but he was not punishing them either. Punishment didn't start. The ministry of death and condemnation didn't start till the law. And now under the new covenant, God is not condoning our sins, but he is not punishing us either. In the new covenant. Why? Because we are in a new covenant. God has forgiven you. God has made you righteous. God has made you holy. Through the blood of his son. Jesus was punished for you. Jesus became your sin for you. He died for you. Because the penalty for sin is death. Jesus became your death penalty for you. And Jesus came to paint a perfect picture of God. Colossians 2 says this. For in him dwells the fullness of the Godhead bodily. And you are complete in him who is the head of all principality and power. In Jesus is the, the, the fullness of the Godhead. And Jesus is in you. And you are complete in him. Jesus came to paint a perfect picture of God. Jesus came to paint a picture of God, of an unseen God, that we could see him. And we need to pay by faith, look at Jesus, and we will know God's will. In closing, I didn't think I'd get this far, but I'm going to give two examples and then I'm going to close. Two examples of the compassion of God. The, okay? The, the first one is going to be the leper, and the second one is going to be the centurion. 
And then both of these, whether I, I get sick and die, has nothing to do with the will of God to him. Okay? My experience does not dictate the will of God. The word of God dictates the word of God. And just like God wills to save everybody every time, God wills to heal everybody every time. So let's look at the leper real quick in closing. Matthew 8, 1 to 2. When he, Jesus, had come down from the mountain, a great multitude followed him. And behold, a leper came and worshipped him and said, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. This is where most of us are in our faith. We know God can heal. But the question is, will he heal? More specifically, will God heal me? That's really the question. And then the devil jumped all over our mind. We're not worthy. And I'm going to spend a whole hour to, sorry, next week about this unworthiness. Because when you think you're unworthy, you will not have confidence to come to God. And your prayer, your faith will be shipwrecked right there. Okay? And then the devil jumps all over our mind because we've sinned. And so he comes again. He says, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. He says, I know you can heal me. He had no doubt this leper that he could heal him. But will you heal me? There's a question. And Jesus said, and Jesus put out his hand and touched him. A leper! Saying, I am willing. Be cleansed. And immediately his leprosy was cleansed. Jesus didn't fast and pray about it. Jesus didn't say, let me talk to the Father. I don't know. I don't do anything I don't see him do. Jesus didn't say, let me talk to the Father. I don't say anything. He, I don't hear him say. Why did Jesus not pause? Because Jesus knew it was God's will to heal every time. Okay? He touched him. He said, I'm willing to be cleansed. You're not supposed to touch a leper. In the Old Testament, you cannot touch a leper or you might catch leprosy. But in the New Testament, we are commissioned to lay hands on the sick and they will recover. He didn't fast and pray. He didn't seek counsel on this. Why? Because healing is God's will every time. He touched him. And said, I'm willing to be cleansed. Let's look at the centurion. Same chapter. Matthew chapter 8, same chapter. It's amazing that both these are in the same chapter. Now, when Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him, pleading with him, saying, Lord, my servant is lying at home paralyzed, dreadfully tormented. And Jesus said to him, I will come and heal him. I'll come. He already promised he's going to heal him. I'll come. Most of us would be totally thrilled about that. And there would be no other discussion. But again, Jesus didn't pray, fast and pray about it. Because Jesus knew it was God's will to go all the time. He's not supposed to go anywhere. He didn't see the Father go. He's not supposed to do anything. He didn't see the Father go. But he didn't have to fast and pray about it because God heals every time. There was no question about it. And the centurion answered, says, Lord, I am not worthy. There's that unworthiness again. So that kind of debunks the unworthiness that the, the leper had. I'm not worthy that you should come under my rule. Centurion already knew he wasn't unworthy, but the centurion had a revelation. It wasn't dependent on his unworthiness. Because just speak the word, and my servant will be healed. The centurion had a revelation. 
He knew that he was unworthy. I'm a man of unclean lips. But he knew, he knew that God, God, that Jesus' authority to heal had nothing to do with his unworthiness. He was a Gentile. Not even a Jew. And many of us feel unworthy. And the centurion had no issue with that. And when Jesus heard it, he marveled and said to those who followed, Assuredly, I say to you, I have not found such great faith, not even in Israel. And I say to you that many will come from east and west and sit down with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. And for I also am a man under authority. This is centurion talking. Having soldiers under me. And I say to this one, go, and he goes. I say to another, come, and he comes. And to my servant, do this, and he does that. And the centurion recognized Jesus was not here doing his own will. Jesus was here under the authority of his Father. And God Almighty sent you. Just say the word, and God Almighty will back it up. This is incredible faith. And incredible faith is connected to understanding of authority. Jesus is the ultimate authority in our lives that God sent to heal us. We're going to pick up on some of this next week as we continue to talk about the benefits of salvation. Thank you for your patience as I went over about five minutes. And we're talking about the benefits of salvation as regards to healing, as we talk about this great salvation that you and I have. We've got much more ground to cover. I'm just barely tapped into the healing uh, aspect. I have a lot more scripture to share, a lot more thoughts to share, uh, some other things that we need to still tackle. And But I, my goal here is to see you well, to see you healed, and to see, equip you to heal and minister healing to other people. God bless you guys. Have a great week. We'll see you next week.